glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning is from St. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31, and can be found on page 1686 in your pew Bible. John records, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came, and he stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them, and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples, they told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Well, <clears throat> good morning and welcome to annual Pick on Thomas Day. Every year in the church, we celebrate Easter, and then the following week, we, we pick on Thomas. He was late to Sunday service, 
So he missed Jesus. And he uttered the ultimatum that you just heard. I'm going to read it again. He says, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into that mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Then, the next Sunday, well, Jesus showed up. And he said, put your finger here. And see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas believed. And they all lived happily ever after. Well, not quite. No, not quite. The skepticism of all of the disciples is one of the things that contributes to the credibility of the Easter accounts in the, in the Gospels. Before Jesus revealed himself to the disciples, none of them believed, not one. Luke, the evangelist, records in Luke 24, verses 9 through 11, he said, Returning from the tomb... They told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. Notice that it says the apostles, all of them. And they thought that the witness of the women was an idle tale. Foolishness. This is not the way that stories usually went at that time. There are people who insist that the account of the resurrection is made up. But the entire style of the account of the resurrection does not, it doesn't hold to any style of other religious literature at the time. If the disciples were making these stories up out of their own imaginations, we would expect the story to go anything but the way we just read. It would go something like this. We would expect to hear that the loyal disciples who immediately understood Jesus when he told them about his upcoming death and resurrection, we would expect that these same disciples would demonstrate intense loyalty to Jesus as they attended to him during the false trial, the suffering and the crucifixion. And, and then we would expect them to remove the body from the cross with the utmost of dignity and respect as they carefully prepared to wait for the resurrection. We would expect them to pray psalms and sing hymns as they held vigil until Jesus returned to life. And then... 
They would have rejoiced and they would have worshipped Jesus as they learned at his feet until he ascended to heaven. That's the kind of story that you would expect if the disciples were making this stuff up. What we actually read, what actually happened was that Jesus told the disciples that he would suffer, die, and rise from the dead, and the disciples didn't get it. Instead, they quarreled. They quarreled with each other about who was the greatest. And when it finally became clear that Jesus was going to allow himself to be arrested, taken in for trial, the disciples ran like rabbits. When witnesses began to tell the disciples that Jesus had risen from the dead, well, the disciples thought that the Witnesses were hallucinating or something. The disciples didn't just doubt. They flat out rejected the idea that Jesus rose from the dead. The accounts pretty much portray the disciples as unbelieving cowards. That was not the way to start a new religion in that day and age, or any day. And the truth of the matter is this, that while Jesus lay in the tomb, the disciples were unbelievers. They were pagans. They were lost in unbelief and sin. They weren't just doubting. They were unbelieving. And unbelief is the way that all people, all people begin this life. The rite of baptism says the word of God teaches that we are all conceived and born sinful and are under the same power of the devil until Christ claims us as his own. We would be lost forever unless delivered from sin, death, and everlasting condemnation. The psalmist writes this in Psalm 51, 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. But the Father of all mercy and grace has sent his Son Jesus Christ, who atoned for the sin of the whole world, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is the reason it is so important to hear the words of Jesus in today's gospel. Jesus came and stood among them. He came and stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. And here are the disciples that are hiding behind locked doors. They're afraid. They're disheartened. They are unbelieving. And mercifully, Jesus came to them with peace. And he was gentle. And he was patient. And he showed them his hands and his side. 
and he gently and carefully restored their faith in him. And now they knew. Not only did Jesus die on the cross, but now they knew that he rose from the dead. And he encouraged the disciples to examine his wounds to verify that it really was him. We hear Jesus give peace three times in the gospel this morning. That is Jesus, that's his main mission, earning and giving peace. Long ago, the enemy seduced humanity into hostility toward God. And we don't have peace with him. We are his enemies. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, entered into our humanity, and he lived a perfect life under the law. He willingly allowed his enemies to nail him to a cross. And while he hung on that cross, he endured the punishment that we, the enemies of God, deserved. And then he died, and he rose again. And in this way, he earned forgiveness for all people. He earned peace with God, and he offered that peace to his disciples, and he still offers that peace to us. In fact, it is in the very gospel that we just read that we hear how Jesus transmits his peace to us. He said to them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. This is nothing other than Jesus installing these men as apostles. For we know that the very word apostle comes from a Greek word that means to send. Jesus said that he is God the Father's apostle, the one sent from the Father. Now he is commissioning these disciples to be his disciples, his apostles. Ones who are sent directly by him. And these apostles will take the very peace that Jesus has given to them and proclaim it to the world. Okay, do you realize how crazy this is? I mean, these are the guys who often quarreled about who was the greatest among them. These are the guys who abandoned Jesus during his greatest need. These guys are the guys who thought the stories of the resurrection were idle tales. These guys who drew a total blank. Total, that's my total blank face. They draw a total blank when Jesus told them he was going to suffer, die, and rise from the dead. Holy cow! People, these are not the brightest bulbs in the knife drawer. I mean, the, 
in the box. Nevertheless, they are the ones, they are the ones who Jesus sent. They are the ones Apostle Paul wrote about to the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians 2, 19 and 20, he wrote, You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. The Apostle Paul states that these men are the foundation of the household of God. Paul is talking about men who were cowardly unbelievers until Jesus showed himself to them. And now Jesus is sending them. Now they are Jesus' apostles. And there is only one way that a group of misfits like this can carry out the mission of Jesus. God has to do the work. It has to be God working through these men that makes them the sent ones. They are like God's people of old who often came to battle ready to fight only to discover that God had already won the battle. They thought they really thought that they were coming as soldiers, but they only ended up being witnesses to the victory God won for them. And Jesus also gave them a special authority. We talked about this in our men's group yesterday. He breathed on them. And he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And he gave these men the authority to administer the very forgiveness of sins that Jesus earned on the cross. The very forgiveness of sins that gives us peace with God. Now, we read about the work God did through these apostles in the first reading this morning. Ed read it from Acts 5. He read, when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then they let them go. And then they left the presence of the council rejoicing. They were they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day, in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. And on Easter morning, they were cowardly unbelievers. But later, they rejoiced at the suffering that they received in the name of Jesus. Only God, only God can work a change like that. Now, the apostles, they have long since died. But they still teach us, for we have their teachings in the written form in the New Testament. 
Their writings still tell us that Jesus saved us from sin with his perfect life and his sacrificial death. And their writings, their writings still tell us that we have God's promise of resurrection because Jesus did not remain in the tomb. He rose to immortal life, ascended into heaven. And their writings, well, their writings continue the work that Jesus gave them when he called them to be his sent one, his apostles. The apostles have died, but the office of holy ministry continues. Jesus still sends his men to proclaim peace to the world. And the Holy Spirit worked through the apostles to establish congregations of believers in many, many places. And as the Holy Spirit established these congregations, he also established the office of the holy ministry as the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write this. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 12, Paul writes this. Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Once again, today's gospel demonstrates the overwhelming generosity of God's mercy. Jesus showed himself to a group of unbelieving cowards. He gave God's peace to them. He commissioned them to be his apostles, his sent ones. He breathed the Holy Spirit into them. He gave them the authority to administer the very forgiveness that he earned for them all and for all people on the cross. These men deserved none of this, but they received it all by God's grace as a gift. God continues to work in grace and in mercy today. At birth, every one of us is a selfish enemy of God. And despite this, the Father of all mercy and grace has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who atoned for the sin of the whole world, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And Jesus gives His peace to us. And the Holy Spirit still works in us by the power of the very Word, the power of the very Word that Jesus sent His apostles to proclaim. And pastors still administer the very forgiveness of Jesus Christ as they say, as you're called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And in all these ways and more, 
Jesus still comes to us, and he says this, Peace be with you. In the name of Jesus, amen.